Wiking, and thank you for listening. This is Policing Matters, the Police One podcast. I'm Doug Wiley. Hi, welcome back. This is Jim Dudley. Jim, in California earlier this year, the governor, um, Jerry Brown, signed into law several pieces of legislation that, if upheld pending the litigation in the courts right now, will turn people who legally purchased certain semi-automatic rifles and other guns into felons overnight. Now, those were completely legal firearms to possess in the state of California one day, and then if this legislation is upheld, the very next day they become felons. The gun's never been out of the safe. It's just, it is what it is. Further, and this was really even perhaps more disturbing, is that retired officers who, say, carry uh, under H.R. 218, a Glock 19 or 22, um, they become felons because those magazines that are in there, it's a 15 plus one, I believe, um, that those magazines exceed what they consider in California to be um, a, quote, standard magazine, which is 10, 10 uh, rounds. It's, it, it, first off, it boggles my mind that this got through the legislature. Um, but now that it is, and it's now being contested in the courts, um, thankfully the NRA and, and others, other organizations are, are taking this to task. And furthermore, there's a guy in, in Southern California who's circulating widespread petitions um, calling it the, the people's veto. He's trying to get a measure put on the, the ballot. But, you know, in, in several states, in the hysteria following some of these horrible, tragic mass killings, they're continuing to look at the object and not at the offender. And these types of legislation won't prevent mass killings with any other tool. They won't prevent someone like um, driving around on the boardwalk and killing, mowing people down with a car or a truck. Um, you know, and you can... You can make the argument that someone can be very, very effective with just 10-round magazines if you have enough of them. So um, it's, it's, it, it's just more of this strange legislation that, it frankly, puts some police officers, retired in particular, at risk, doesn't it? It does. And this is moral panic legislation. It's a hot-button issue that we've seen across the country, and certainly we all sympathize with the victims. We've seen these mass shootings. We've seen... Uh, the, the body count uh, go up. If you look at the FBI's um, mass casualty incident um, report, it shows quite often that people who should not have guns perpetrate these crimes. Right. I think this legislation is misguided. I think uh, it's aimed, pun intended, at the wrong targets. Um, I think you will turn um, law-abiding citizens into potential felons. We've seen bad legislation like this before. 1919, U.S. Congress, mm-hmm. 18th Amendment, alcohol is bad, right? Uh, you, can, you can look at a number of, of variables on why they decided to ban alcohol, but we saw the, the unintended consequence, the organized crime, the innocent good people gone bad because of this legislation and you know it was 24 years later that congress came to its senses and and repealed with the 21st amendment for for alcohol um, legislation so now we're looking at um, 
limiting uh, types of weapons because every time the public sees a shooting, uh, the media talks about assault weapons. Mm -hmm. And they're talking about, in general, you see a picture of an AR-15 or some sort of a, a rifle that's semi-automatic. Rarely is it fully automatic. Which, by the way, is illegal to possess in the entire United States. Illegal, right. So here again, it, the devil's in the details. There are these nuances that I'm, I'm sure that... Um, a, a large percentage of the public is not aware of. So it, it always it frustrates me that a politician who becomes an elected official becomes an ad hoc expert in medical, education, law enforcement, firefighting, all these things overnight with the office that they assume. I just hope that um, lobbying interests on behalf of law enforcement agencies uh, would go to the governor and educate him and, and talk about how this is not the best piece of legislation. There are certainly other ways to go about uh, good ideas towards gun control. And in California, we do it uh, better than most states in the union by our 10-day waiting period, mm -hmm. a cooling down period, if you will. So in other states, um, neighboring states like Nevada, you can walk in point to the gun, pick it out, fill out the paperwork, go through a, a quick class, come out with not only your gun, but also a concealed weapons permit in the same day, not in California. So I think um, we need to get uh, some other advocate organizations on board. We need to get public health on board. We need to get mental health on board. Um, the, the current database that would track um, the mentally ill that should not uh, have access to guns is not uh, done very well in the national database system. Um, there have been estimates that 10 million people should be in that system when uh, there only a fraction of them are, are included in that database right now. So there are certainly uh, ways to strengthen gun laws, and and I've got I've got my own tick list of of what I believe here, and I believe that. Neither felons nor con those convicted of domestic violence or verified gang members should have access to guns of any type, right? Violations should result in mandatory minimum felony convictions. I believe that fully automatic weapons should be banned. I believe that the mentally ill should not have access to guns of any type. Update the national database. Broaden the criteria. I know the, 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 the mental health officials uh, do not abide by that. They don't. They don't um, buy into that theory because they're afraid that people will avoid getting treatment for fear that they'll be singled out for for things like this and and the stigma attached to it. Um, I believe that thirty round uh, magazines and higher should be banned. I mean, that's my own personal opinion. I don't. You know, if you go to the range and you don't like um, reloading and reloading, and reloading. I'm sorry, but 10-round magazines should should be sufficient. 15-round magazines, okay. But 30, I don't, I don't see it. I mean, unless you're super lazy and you just don't want to reload. <laughs> um, and then compel every state in the union to go to the 10-day waiting period uh, with special exemptions for uh, active law enforcement and military. And again, the, I think it's uh, beneficial to have that cooling off period so you don't get people that are mad at somebody or... Um, fixated on getting back at someone, buy a gun, have access to the gun, and do their deed that day. Um, again, 
the individuals that are violating the laws we have now are not going to abide by new laws. No. So why throw this burden on otherwise law-abiding citizens, including well, retired and active law enforcement? Yeah, right, exactly. I mean, you know, when you have law-abiding citizens, and, and frankly, in some research has been done by John Lott and others about law-abiding citizens, people who possess their firearms legally, they've gone through the process, the background checks, all of that, um, as have you and I and everyone that I know who's a law-abiding citizen and gun owner, um, they don't commit crimes. They don't commit gun violence. They sometimes defend themselves, you know, against violence. But uh, for the larger portion of the vast majority of legal gun owners, it's about sport shooting. It's about hunting. It's uh, it, it's about self defense. And you know what you got, what you have in places like Chicago, where you have highly restrictive gun laws, the place is being shot up like it's a war zone. I mean, it's been I don't even know a hundred people shot in the, like the last week or so. It's right. it's it's. It, it, it again, uh, and I, I say this over and over, but it, it bears repeating. We have to look at the offender and not the object. You know, if someone's sufficiently motivated to kill one or more or however many people, they're going to find a way to do it, whether it's via illegal possession of a firearm. Because let's face it, there's a pretty good black market out there where guns are pretty well available to the person willing to break the law to get it, right? Sure. Um, whereas people like, like myself and others who are, you know, legal sporting shooters, um, you know, we go through the 10-day waiting period. And I'm totally fine with that. I'm totally fine with filling out all the paperwork because I want to make sure that, say, my guns gets, gets stolen, which is pretty hard to do in my safe. But then I would go to the police and say, my gun has been stolen. This is the serial number. This is, you know, this is what the bullet looks like, you know, what the, what the pin would look like. So that way that gun can be recovered. Or if, if found to be used in a crime, it's known that it wasn't I who did it. It's the thief who did that. Right. Right. And again, I think law enforcement agencies, and I think you need strong chiefs to stand up to this kind of legislation and, and give a little pushback when it's warranted, as in this case, I believe. Yeah. Fascinating topic. Um, I'm sure we're going to see a lot of really good comments uh, beneath this podcast. We also want to hear from you directly. Um, you can email us at policingmatters at policeone.com, and that'll go to both Jim and myself. And uh, we do reply back to your emails, and we do like to hear your feedback. Uh, give us ideas on what you want to hear in the next uh, couple of podcasts, and uh, do come back next week to Policing Matters.